Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our cocktail webinar series. I'm your host, Forti Stamos, and with me, my co-host, Ari Kalos and hello, Kathy hello. Copeland. Hi, everyone. We also have with us... We also have with us anthropologist and cookbook author, Dr. Susanna Hoffman. Susanna, thank you for joining us. Welcome. And the moment we've all been waiting for, we want to welcome our special guest, as well as our good friend, colleague, and Boston College alum. I had to throw that in there, Effie. <laughs> the first week woman to launch a spirit brand and the founder of Cleos Mastica, Effie Panagopoulos. Effie, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us so we can learn more about Mastica and Cleos in particular. Welcome to the segment. Awesome. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much. This is very anticipated. Um, you know, we've, uh, we definitely love to put these together, but this is very special to us for many different reasons. But uh, thank you so much, Effie. And, uh, you know, let's get right to it. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of buzz going around Cleos, um, you know, whether it's through social media, whether it's through the trade, whether it's through friends and family. Um, how did this all begin for you? Um, well, since you mentioned the buzz, I, I want to just honor that and say we just got 94 points in the Ultimate Spirits Challenge, which is held in New York. Um, Congratulations. And the, the yeah, that's huge. Thank you. The head judge is Paul Packalt. Um, it's known for having really, really rigorous uh, kind of judging metrics. And Cleos was a finalist in the herbal botanical liqueur category. I got okay. I got beat out by my granddaddy, Uzo, by Metaxa. <laughs> uh, pretty pissed about. I was very petty. I'm like, what? Why didn't I get the chairman's trophy? Are you kidding me? We, we need to do a recount on that. Uzo <laughs> 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 Metaxa got 97 points, and then Cleo's got 94. So, All right. We'll take it. We'll take it. Trophy. Yeah. yeah, but you're like brand new. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, look, I did over 17 formulas to land on the liquid in the Cleos bottle. So I worked on it very, very hard uh, to get the liquid to a place that, you know, would be not only what I think is the best must be felt liquid on the market, but I really wanted um, to achieve the goal of having it be balanced enough that you drink it on the rocks, use it as a base spirit, and then also have it work optimally as an ingredient in cocktails. And that's what's so cool about tonight. I mean, a lot of the drinks you make with Cleos, you wouldn't be able to make with Stikas. Or they would be, the drink would be too sweet. So you'd have just one and that's it. Everything with Cleos is going to be in processional. Um, but, you know, back to your original question. I've been in the industry now for 18 years. Um, I started off in Boston as a, you know, you call it a promo model. I was the Midori girl in Boston. I drove a VW <laughs> around the city with a feather boa doing, you know, tastings and from the city. And I was working daytime as a high school teacher and also uh, for Univision, the Spanish TV network. And I really hated nine to five. I hated the office job thing. Wait a minute. You speak Spanish? I speak French and Spanish. <laughs> what you Univision? I majored in language. Um, so yeah, I worked for Cardi. I worked for Remy. I was the first and only national brand ambassador. That was the job that brought me back to Greece after not having been there in a 10 year span had passed. 
And um, in Mykonos 2008, everyone shot the Mastika, and that was my eureka. I kind of was like, why the hell don't we have this in the <laughs> U.S.? This is delicious. And Good I'm point. This happened. So here we are. <laughs> thank goodness for that. Yeah. Later, I launched a brand. Okay, so, so we got to thank Mykonos for all this, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, specifically, it was actually at Namos, so a really funny moment. All right, all right. 2017, I soft launched in and I'm at Namos, and it was for, like, this big party that Basilio Cristo does every summer called Made okay. in and there was, like, a group of, like, 30 New Yorkers, and this one kid, Leo, was ordering bottles. Hey, these guys have my stuff. Please, Cleos. So he ordered, like, three bottles of Cleos. I have this great selfie on my Instagram that's me holding the bottle at Namos, and I'm like, this is where I discovered Mastika, you know, whatever it was, nine years ago, and here I am drinking my own stuff. That's awesome. You know? Wow. So, full Effie, circle. why don't we... um. How about we let our, our, our guests kind of understand what is Mastika to begin with? Um, so if I can share my screen, I was going to kind of take everybody on a little um, Sure, absolutely. journey. Give me a second. Just one second. I'm going to prop open these videos. Sure. Cool. So since a lot of us can't be in Greece, I'm going to virtually take, take a there. This one video I'm going to show you guys is... Um, Kind of a teaser video for the brand, and it's of Kios. So I'm going to go ahead and, opa, give me one second before I show you. It's going to be time to pour some more. He clears my <laughs> <laughs> The bottle is so beautiful, too. Oh, yeah. I can't get over that. So I'm going to share my screen. Do you guys see my screen? Yep. Yes. Okay. Whoa. So here we go. Here's your virtual 40-second trip to Kios. Oh, wow. Look at that. So that was great. Wow. Yeah, this this took me forever. Uh, I actually brought a film crew Hios to shoot. This here, the opening scene is Mavravolia which is mm -hmm. my favorite beach in Chios. It's all uh, black rock, um, mm -hmm. but it's just stunning. Beautiful sunsets and sunrises. This area here is a Navita. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And then we descend into the Masticoforia. So the Masticoforia are 24 villages in the southern part of the island of Chios where mastica trees grow, or it's called the Skinos tree. Uh, mastica is a resin that comes from this particular tree that grows only in these 24 villages um, that is excreted from the tree and it was the world's first chewing gum yeah. and um, it's also used for a ton of medicinal purposes. Mastica kills H. pylori which is the bacteria that causes peptic ulcers, gastric cancer and acid reflux. Oh, wow. wow. The healing properties for the stomach are actually retained in liquor form. So I always say mastica is kind of the ultimate aperitif and digestif because it helps remove all the gas from the stomach um, and really aids in digestion. It's a natural remedy for Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, um, and is also used for oral hygiene. So through the mastica shop, you can buy 
toothpaste. You can buy mouthwash. Um, you can chew on the raw resin, which is something I do very frequently because it's not like, you know, American chewing gum that bloats you. A lot of sugar okay. chewing gums bloat you. Um, so mastica is kind of like a cure-all do-all. You know, it's got many, many different uses. It's also used in skincare. Chanel started putting mastica in their blue serum cream. And it's also used as an ingredient in surgical threads since the body absorbs it and it helps with skin regeneration and wound healing. Uh, but back to this video, this village here is Mesta. Mesta is the oldest, most well-preserved medieval village in all of the European Union. And it's a walled city. And this was built by Genovese Italians in um, the 1100s. So it was actually Genovese Italians. Yeah, it was actually Genovese Italians that built the 24 village settlement that's known as the Masticojoria. So from Mesta, we go to my next favorite, Masticojori, which is called Pirgi. And the entire motif of Pirgi is what is this, this graphic design that is called Xisti. So with, okay. with Xisti, what they did was actually scratch on these uh, walls and they reveal the white underneath. So the buildings are actually that charcoal color. And then when they scratched them, it was white. So, yeah. So the whole, all of Piri has this design. Um, It is the largest mastica producing village and has the most mastica trees per capita of any of the Masticojoria. This is a mastica village. I believe we were in Calamotí. Um, I just love this scene with the trees. It's so beautiful. If you ever have the opportunity to actually go to Hios, I have a very close friend, um, Vasily Balas, that has an agro-tourism company. And so he'll bring people down to the fields, and you can do the whole experience of actually... So we can, we can drop your name? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all know me. They all know me. Uh, At this point, Absolutely. So um, you can have this experience of actually going and doing what's called gedima, which is, you know, the scraping of the tree to collect the resin. And then I did this little so, weird graphic design. So thing. can I ask you a question? Yeah. Actually, real quick. Yeah. So just like, just like uh, in the wine world, this harvest, is it the same for collecting the sap from the trees at like a specific time of the year? Yes. Yes. And that's exactly what we're going to yeah. jump into now. So oh, okay, on cool. my website, Sorry. There's a mastica cultivation section. So that's kind of what I'm going to review. There's about six videos on the site. I'm not going to go through all of them. Just going to give you like the brief mm-hmm. over- overview. So the season for the harvest is actually July 15th through the end of September. Um, so it's a very short season. Obviously, it's done in the summertime. Um, although the cultivation of the trees is a year-long thing. It's just that the actual harvest of the trees for the resin is only done in the summertime. So the first harvest, uh, they call riñasma. This is like the wake-up call for the tree, and this is done, like I said, July 15th. The action of actually making those incisions is called gedima. So I'm going to play this video for you guys now. Like sewing. Then we start... Gedima uh, means embroidery, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, embroidery. Yeah. It's on the bark of uh, the tree. Literally, gedima means uh, embroidery. Yeah. That uh, people <laughs> you need to be precise to get a good yield from the tree, but also to do it in a way that you don't uh, damage the tree. Candy starts from the base of the trunk, 
the first time we do it, we call it Vinyasma, and we score just a couple of incisions on the trunk, very low on the base. And this is like a wake-up call for the tree. A few days uh, later, we go again to the same tree, and we do from 5 to 20 incisions, depending on the size and age of uh, each tree. And we go like this, uh, once per week or twice per week, and uh, with this number of incisions. So you can see this is kind of backbreaking labor. The first time I went um, to you know participate in the harvest, I was all excited. And then about an hour in, I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, this sucks. You know, like you're literally, you're literally hunched over. You're pretty much on your knees for the most part. The mastika trees are kind of similar to olive trees in the sense that they are short and then they grow out really wide. So they're kind of like these big shrubs. Um, but the next video, I'm going to show you kind of what the mastika looks like after they've done so the Gedi. In the of, uh, August, we do the first collection that we call Pitologima. Pita is the name we use for the big chunks of mastic that normally form around the base of uh, the trunk because all the incisions on the trunk uh, drip on the same spots and uh, little droplets of mastic stick to each other and they form bigger and bigger chunks. So at early morning, at the crack of dawn, you have to go to the field and collect all these uh, pita one by one by hand, uh, carefully placing them in uh, wooden box where you have already spread uh, some powder, white powder, trying not to pile them. So you place them side by side to make sure that they don't stick to each other. So, yeah, this is all done so by hand. Of, uh, August. Uh, there's nothing automated about the process. And the cultivation of mastika has actually been, you know, recognized by UNESCO. It's on its list of intangible cultural world heritage since the cultivation and harvest has been done the exact same way for over 3,000 years. I mean, honestly... The most sophisticated piece that they have is like a electric um, leaf blower, you know. <laughs> Other than that, everything is done um, by hand. So the last what was that white powder, Effie? I don't know if I mentioned it. Sorry. What was the powder the that white, they were putting it in? The white powder is uh, calcium bi or excuse me, sodium bicarbonate. They lay it on the ground. That's the first step of the process. Okay. Uh, that's they clean the table around the tree and then they apply that powder so it's so that the mastica doesn't stick to the dirt and the leaves okay oh. yeah it's not doesn't come from the tree uh, so the last step is called bastarema this is the cleaning of the mastica and this is also done by hand by the women in the villages wow this is called pastrema pastrema traditionally is performed in the villages when the sun is still up people will do it uh, outside of their houses opa opa the houses it's a very Mm, long process and quite boring. So this way, people may get the have the opportunity to chat with a neighbor or somebody that passes by, mm -hmm. and so on. Later in the night, people may get together to do it, like a social activity, let's say. Whether you may have a group of people in one table, it's cleaning uh, his or her's stick, or this group of people rotating on different houses, cleaning uh, each time somebody else is mastic. Uh, this type of uh, work is called Danica. It's like a time-sharing uh, concept. Cool, right? That's super Interesting. cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Whatever thing. Yeah, so, um, sorry, let me share my... Uh, so... There you are. Yeah, well, actually, you know what? There's one more video I could show you that I think we have a lot of Greeks here, so... I think people would appreciate this video. Let me let me, let, let, let me go Do back. It. 
But, um, you know, what I was going to say regarding the cultivation, you know, this is uh, the, the cleaning of the mastica happens in October. So it's a pretty decent amount of time. There's, I'd have to say, the social, cultural, and economic fabric of the island of Hios, other than shipping, because it was, it's a big shipping island as well, and then other than like some citrus, because there's citrus that comes out of Cabos, um, is all around Mastica. Uh, and Mastica was very much promoted in medieval times through religion. And that's the next video that I'm going to be one second. So yeah, there's kind of like the folklore reasons why they say the mastica grows only in the southern part of Chios. And then there's the scientific reason. I kind of am actually more convinced of the folklore reasons than <laughs> the science. Um, you know, they've tried to plant the trees on the northern part of the island and the trees grow, but they don't produce the same aromatic sap. There have been French explorers... Particular uh, Turks, particularly Russians, people that have tried to come to the island, Japanese even, that have tried to come to the island, take the trees, bring them back to their homelands and grow them. And it does not produce the same sap that has all of these healing properties and the specific aroma and flavor as well. It's honestly fascinating. And the folklore story is around the story of St. Isidore. So I met this wonderful woman in Mesta. Her name's Evgenia Almirudi. She actually has some family mm -hmm. in New York. And she owns the main restaurant in the square called Taverna o Meseona. So if you ever get to go to Mesta, you can definitely meet Evgenia and tell her that you know me. Hook mm -hmm. uh, us up with a reservation. <laughs> but she, she tells the story really nicely. <laughs> Αυτός ο άνθρωπος, Άγιος Σίδερος, ήταν χριστιανός. Και επειδή δεν άλλαζε την πίστη του, τον έδεσανε πάνω σε ένα άλογο και πάρε δρόμο το μουλάρι, τρέχε. Αφού πια ο άνθρωπος είχε σπαραλιάσει με τα αίματα και με τα χτυπήματα και ξέρω εγώ, ήσπασε το συνήθως λόγο και αυτός ο καμένος εσούρτηκε και πήγε και κάτσε κάτω από ένα δέντρο. Το δέντρο αυτό ήταν ο σκήνος. Τον εσυπώνεσε το δέντρο και γύρισε ένα Άγιος Σίδερος και του λέει Εύχομαι το δάκρυ σου, γιατί έκλαιγε το δέντρο, και του λέει ότι εύχομαι το δάκρυ σου να γίνει φάρμακο για, όλη, για όλο τον κόσμο. Και αυτό είναι που είναι ευλογημένη η Νότια Χίο από τον Άγιο Σίδερο. Και από το Μαστίχη είναι ευλογημένο από τον Άγιο. Έτσι είναι η, η παράδοση τώρα. Είναι, μπορεί να είναι και αλήθεια, ε. Λάβε. Λάβε. About the saint, and she's all passionate. And she's like, "Hey, you never know. It could even be true." <laughs> <laughs> she keeps it real. I'm, I'm a full Et believer. Cine, huh? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a total believer right now because it's an awesome story. And I, I love her vocabulary. <laughs> oh, that Kyotiko accent! Oh, yes. man. love it. Yeah, well, I'm apt to believe it if you don't get the same aromatic that you were saying when you transport the trees. That's crazy. I, um, well, look, Mastica is a PDO. It's a protected designation of origin in Greece. It's just like Blue Weber of Gave that only grows in the Jalisco region of Mexico. It's our thing in Greece. This is the Greek superfood. It exists nowhere else in the world. And that's why, frankly, it's so special. And it was a big motivation for me to create this brand. I really felt that we as a culture were not doing right by this category You know, because there's so much cheap mastica in Greece. It's the type of thing that you get free as a shot after your meal when you're on the islands. 
And I'm like, what the hell? This is like so expensive. And so there's artificial mastica that runs rampant on the market. And I thought to myself, you know, what a horror show. Like this, this product needs a luxury brand and it has to be properly marketed. And we need to educate consumers outside of Greece because I know they will, you know, embrace it because they always do. Americans love everything foreign. I mean, we've made tequila the biggest thing on the planet now, you know? Tequila brand got bought uh, for a billion dollars two years ago, you know? So, and that was 20 years ago. Tequila was the weird, you know, nasty thing you drank, or maybe it was Jose Cuervo. Just and shots. Was, right? Yeah. So I like to think that I'm kind of starting the revolution for Mastica. And because I worked on Metaxa, you know, Metaxa was a little bit of a tough sell. Uzo is a tough sell. Mastika is delicious. You know, nine out of 10 people love the taste of Mastika. So I, I really view it as the spirit that can put Greece back on the map. Effie, when you sell for a billion, you know, do not forget us, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be lucky if I get close. I'm, I'm, I'm teetering on, uh, the company's teetering right now, so... Yeah, I have my big dreams, but, you know, we, we have to live in reality. No, I, 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 I have high hopes. I have high hopes. Real, real quickly, um, real quickly, Effie, as, you know, aside from it actually becoming a, a base for a product that, you know, that's converted into a spirit, it's also used in cooking. And if we can just get a couple of points from uh, Dr. Susanna Hoffman, who actually has used Mastika in her cookbooks, um, anything you can just bring to the table as far as, you know, mastica being, you know, medicinal and also as a base for a spirit. How about just quickly, we can touch on its inclusion in our culinary uh, world of Greek cooking. Well, you first, you have to realize that um, no one had vanilla. Vanilla comes from Mexico and vanilla wasn't really available until at least the 1700s and later than that. So the search for something aromatic, sweetly aromatic was... Uh, pretty special on, on, um, in, on the spice trails and then the discovery of mastica. So it's been used actually for thousands of years. Um, Greeks don't particularly use cardamom, which has the, uh, you know, an equally aromatic smell. Um, they certainly use a lot of, of cinnamon canela um, and have for a long time. Um, so it, it was always very famous. And um, generally in culinary history, it's used as a bread. Um, flavoring, especially Easter breads, and but in before vanilla, it was used far more widely, and I use it far more widely. Um, I use it. Um, I make a custard of golemanol, which um, dessert, which is uh, flavored with mastica. About two weeks ago, I made a rhubarb nectarine tart. I don't use, and I used mastica. It was fantastic. Wow. I'm hungry. <laughs> I use it, believe it or not, I use it on fish. I, I either stuff bread, I stuff a bread um, with mastica and put it inside the fish, or I, I grind it over a little bit, wrap the fish in grape leaves and grill them, and it's wonderful on fish. Um, so I use mastica, I think I was saying earlier, I have a, I have a mortar and pestle nearby, I grind the, the, the crystals into a powder, and I use it uh, constantly, certainly um, certainly for any kind of sweet dish or any kind. I don't do bread much anymore because I'm at 9,000 feet, but I do a lot of <laughs> So they don't rise. Bread doesn't rise much, but I do Greek cakes, which, you know, are only about three or four inches high. I do um, 
certainly um, a, a tahini sesame cake that's flavored with mastika. It's wow. delicious. I do one that I soak in ouzo, but I also have mastika in that one as well. Um, and my um, my nut cakes are mastika. I mean, I use it a lot. And I make mastika ice cream, which Ooh. is really yummy. <laughs> yummy. <laughs> so it's got a long history, culinary history in Greece. It um, it was it's true. It's a, by the way, it's a relative of past, um, pistachio nuts. So mm-hmm. that's it's it's. Uh, kind of um, its species. And um, it was what we call gum mastic. It, it was the first gum. It was just, just something to chew as well. So that's a short version awesome. of the histories, but I um, use it in your tarts. I <laughs> recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Susanna. And yeah. One distinction that I just wanted to make, though, mastica in and of itself is not sweet at all. It's actually quite bitter. Um, you actually... Bitter. Mastika chemically has to bond with either sugar or with salt for sweet and savory application. So when you grind it up with a mortar and pestle and turn it into a powder, it's advisable to combine it either with your sugar or combine it with salt, depending on... Which is the same with vanilla. If you've ever just tasted vanilla straight, it's very bitter. Um, And by the way, vanilla has gotten very rare and very expensive right now. So if you're going to spend that kind of money, why not use mastika? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, uh, Susanna. Um, that was very insightful. And, you know, now you make me want to have like a whole loaf of tsureki. <laughs> hey, tsureki has uh, mastika, in, if, yes. if I'm not mistaken, right? Certainly does. Cake, basilopita always has mastika. Tsureki always has mastika in it. And the ice cream with mastika is called kaimaki. And kaimaki is a typically sheep's milk yogurt base with mastika, salepi, which is a Turkish spice, and cinnamon. And it is my favorite thing to have mastika in other than Cleo's. <laughs> now, there's another little interesting bit about its history, and that is the, the women of the, when in, in the Turkish occupation, the women of harems were not allowed to have any money except they could buy and sell mastika, which they got from middlemen from the island of Hios. And so it was. It was used as coin um, during the Ottoman Empire, but just by the really? women. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So there's awesome. a whole section of my website dedicated to history and fun facts. There's so many fun facts, literary reference, um, You know, so we can close the culinary topic. Food and Wine did an interview with Grana Cox years back. Uh, I believe it was 2009. He is a three Michelin star award winning chef with Alinea in Chicago. He's got the Alinea cookbook. And the question they asked him, the second question they asked him is what's the world's most underused spice? And he said, mastika. And there's two mastika dishes in the Alinea cookbook. All right. Where are we going to um, get to doing some demos right now? That's what I'm yeah. looking forward to. Yeah, let's do it. So um, all of these recipes you can find on my website. Um, try not get it so I can see everything here. So um, I think I mentioned, you know, for your home bar, really basic ingredients that you should have are going to be a shaker tin. I like these little Japanese shakers, these little mini shakers. Um, that way you're only making one drink at a time. <laughs> so, uh, jiggers. Um, this one that I have here is a two ounce, one ounce jigger, and then a half ounce, uh, three quarter ounce jigger. Um, you definitely want to use jiggers because precision is so important in terms of having balanced cocktails. I mean, if you're an experienced home bartender and you can eyeball it, 
by all means, I still use a jigger because especially when you're talking about acid, it's really important to have a, a balanced cocktail. Um, another thing, lemon squeezer, always fresh juice, fresh lemon and lime juice, key for any cocktail. Um, a nice paring knife to cut your fruit, and then a good old muddler. A lot mm. of the stuff we're gonna be muddling tonight, you could use a blender and just puree the fruit, um, but I don't know, I kinda, I love muddling. It's a little more labor and effort to the cocktail. So the first drink I'm going to make is called the Cleopatra cocktail. It is the signature drink. Nice. And it was a drink created by a guy named Michael Menegos, who is the godfather of Greek cocktail culture. If there were a family tree in Greece of kind of the people responsible for resurrecting cocktail culture in Athens, Michael Menegos would probably be at the top of that tree with a guy named Thanos Brunados close behind. So um, if anyone's been to Athens as of late, there's been a major kind of revival with cocktail culture. And there are a ton of cocktail bars, if I can recommend to anyone. The Clumsies has been number four, number five on the world's 50 best list for, for cocktail bars. Um, Babarum, which is the one that Thanos Brunados owns, has the largest rum selection in, of any bar in all of the EU. It is fabulous. Um, a place called A for Athens, which is in Monstiraki. Um, I can go on and on and on. There are so many fantastic cocktail bars in Athens. But the guy who created the Cleopatra is kind of the guy that was really pushing the envelope to bring back respectable cocktail making to Athens. Because when I first started going back to Athens, which was like 2006, people were drinking stuff like Ursus, which was basically... Ooh, yeah. Purple, uh, <laughs> oh my God. The Red Bull of Greece. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Red Bull and vodka Greece. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> so, drinking culture in Athens has changed tremendously. And um, I'd say the, the comeback of Mastika has come right in line with that resurrection of classic cocktails. So besides Mastika, the spirit that I really um, am looking out for in Greece now is also Tsipuro. I think Tsipuro is a fantastic distillate coming from Greece that's kind of like our grappa, except that with Greek Tsipuro, there's a lot of estate-grown grapes, so it's a much higher quality even than like Italian grappa, and it's much cheaper. So let's begin. So with the Cleopatra yes. cocktail, this is going to be super easy. Um, I pre-squeezed some lemon juice, so we're going to do a half ounce of lemon juice and um, a couple basil leaves. This is like four basil leaves, and then you're going to give that a muddle, and we're going to add two ounces of Cleos. So real important to note, two full ounces of Cleos is only 110 calories, four grams of sugar. So... Um, this cocktail so is 10 calories, 4 grams of sugar. So this is going to be less hot. calories than your typical glass of red wine. It's very sessionable. So Ari, how many, how many uh, cocktails can we have if it's only 110 calories? Uh, <laughs> I had about four already, but... <laughs> I made this one yesterday, actually, Effie, in anticipation of this, so I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, she made it yesterday, sent us a picture, and then I was like, I'm making that today for sure. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the drink. I mean, if you want if you want to convince your American friends that Greece makes good spirits, this is the drink right here. It is so sessionable, so easy drinking, and then you're just well, gonna as Greeks were so so convincing, we don't need to like you know. You're just gonna garnish that with a little basil leaf. Wow, look at that. That's it. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. So good. So so. Good. And refreshing. 
Organic basil mm. is going to be best. It's going to be the most aromatic. What I find also is pretty cool is, um, you know, depending on where I'm getting the basil, sometimes it will make the drink nice and green too. So the color can make it very appealing. Um, all right. So that's the Cleopatra. The next drink I'm going to do is called the Lord Byron. So there were, Lord Byron was what you call a philalen, so, or philhelene. Um, these were people in, let's say, 1920s French Cafe Society and prior to that um, that were really obsessed with Greece and ancient Greek culture. And it was an inspiration for a lot of their, so people like Dali, Picasso, um, Lord Byron was an English poet who was pro-Greece in the, you know, strife against the Ottomans. So I call this drink the Lord Byron because it's got London dry gin. So start with one ounce of gin. And actually I'm messing this up. <laughs> start with the lemon juice. So we'll start with the lemon juice again because we're going to muddle it. So we add the alcohol last. It's a half ounce of lemon juice. And then I'm going to throw in four little thin slices to give those a muddle. And I'm cheating tonight because this gin is actually from Wisconsin. It's a guy friend of mine. And it's really kind of umami. And I changed the recipe of this drink tonight just a little bit to accommodate for this gin. So I go one ounce of gin, one ounce of Cleos. And we're going to shake that up. And in a high bag glass filled with ice, we're going to strain that out. And I'm going to garnish this one with a little cucumber slice. And this was the secret ingredient that I'm adding tonight. And it's actually nori furakake. Um, what is that? I've been eating a lot of poke lately. And so, like, I love this stuff. And what it does is add just a little hint of salt and a little bit of that umami kind of savory Interesting. I love that. Us, oh my god! Tell us what that is. So it's Cleos. Um, excuse me. It's lemon cucumber Cleos gin, and then I added the nori on top, same way you would, you know, salt the rim of your margarita, just to give. Oh, it- oh I got you. I got you. Well, nori yeah. is seaweed. nori is seaweed. So the nori seaweed, okay. has like sesame seed, seaweed, a little bit of salt, oh. teeny bit sweet. So it gives you that kind of like sweet, salty thing and adds a little savory component. It's so awesome. Seriously. I've, I've never thought of doing that as a garnish. I love nori and sushi, so that's amazing. So, um, you know. That's the fountain of youth right there, I think. Yeah. So you'll see with all these drinks, it's all about fresh ingredients, herbs, fruits. And then I always like to add some kind of savory note. Um, and that's what's really cool about Cleos. Again, like if you were to use a different mastica, which is super sweet, it wouldn't really tolerate you know, kind of the savory additions that, that, that I add. Cleos is going to be super versatile because from a production standpoint, I do a double distillation. I use two forms of mastica. So I use the raw resin and I use mastica essential. Double distill it. It's a neutral grain spirit base versus everybody else uses sugar beet. Um, and it's under 30% sugar. So most of the competition you're looking at is over 40% going up as high as 65% plus sugar. Another thing that's very important with mastica, I don't know if you guys can see or if you have bottles at home, is to look out for the stamp from the Heels Mastica Growers Association. So any product with authentic Heels Mastica has to have the stamp from the Growers Association. That's the only way you can verify if they're using real Heels Mastica. Um, so we're kind of, we're going to intensify now with flavors. The next one we've got up 
which I love, and you guys are going to love. This was Screwball. I didn't put this in the list. Um, it's, it's called a Screwball? No, no. She named it after you, Foti. Can't elope. Can't elope. So the magic ingredient, who's going to guess? It's like eloping, like Ari wants to elope with me. <laughs> Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe. That's a magic ingredient. <laughs> you can't, you can't elope. So we're doing again a half ounce of lemon. This time you're going to take pieces of cantaloupe, a little harder to elope. That's your workout. I don't know about you guys, but cantaloupe in the summertime. Haven't had many cocktails with it though. I'm curious. So good. So good with, um, and where did my, here's my vodka. So we're going to go with some boring old vodka here. One ounce vodka. One ounce Cleos. So Cleos, vodka, cantaloupe, lemon juice. Sounds cool. And then like I do with everything, it's going to have a little savory component. Now, people neglect ice. Ice is definitely a key ingredient in cocktails. I mean, I'm here at WeWork, so I'm using generic ice. But if you can at home, buy ice molds that you can get at Williams-Sonoma so you can make nice... Um, you know, kind of beautiful, larger square cubes of ice or crushed ice. This cocktail in particular is really nice over crushed ice. Ice not only kind of adds solution and keeps your drinks cold, but most preferable is going to be ice with slower dilution. And then the garnish here is going to be tarragon. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. So this one, so good. Don't mind right, me. hook it up. <laughs> That's my favorite herb. That's not too Greek, but I use again. I have a huge bush of it. French tarragon. Oh, yeah. Can't elope. Awesome. Can't elope. So that was the screwball that I threw in. Last drink. Like last drink. And you guys are gonna love this one because it's very American. Is essentially a margarita. So mm-hmm. we're gonna do lime juice now. Where yeah. did I use my lime juice? So here we go. Right there. Squeeze some lime juice. So once again, we're going to go half ounce on the lime juice. So if you guys are kind of picking up, this is, I'm doing very simple builds on everything, right? It's a half an ounce of citrus, and it's typically going to be one ounce of Cleos along with an ounce of another spirit. But I just put in um, a large watermelon cube. So it's watermelon, lime, Anyone want to take a stab at what spirit's going to go in here other than Cleos? Ooh. Tequila? Good question. Yes. Good question. Hey. The doctor Bravo, got Susanna. it. <laughs> we are doing a watermelon margarita with Cleos. So it's going to go one ounce Cleos, one ounce Don Julio. By the way, the distiller of Don Julio has tra- uh, tasted and loves Cleos. That's awesome. We're yeah. Awesome. That was a great moment in New York. So again, we're going one, one, Cleos and Kila. And then, like I said, I love adding a savory component, which here we go. We're gonna do, this is rainbow peppercorns. I typically like using pink peppercorn in this, but you're gonna sprinkle in some peppercorn. Wow, for some heat? Yeah, and just to kind of like break it up. Mm. Spice and watermelon is such a good combo, actually. Underrated, I would say. I would think feta and watermelon is better. Well, that's pretty well known. Forty, thank you. I don't know. That's what came to my mind. You're not going to put that in a cocktail, though. You don't. How do you know? Well, that's true. Actually, that's very true. Imagine garnishing a cocktail with feta and watermelon. Nope. I'm sure it's been done. Oh, that has a nice color. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful color. You can see the little peppercorns throughout. And then the garnish for this is going to be thyme. Oh. Ooh. And I call this drink Garpuzi Time. <laughs> I like it. Are, are all these recipes on your website? Yes, they're all on the website. For the Americans here, okay. Garpuzi is the Greek word for watermelon. So Garpuzi Time. Mm. <laughs> Cheers. This is so good. Honestly, tequila and mezcal are amazing, amazing with Cleo's. Really good. Oh, that's good to know. Good to know. So here's your lineup. Can we see the drinks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Cleopatra. 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 Lord Byron. Lord Byron. Got the Cant Elope, which typically has a little more orange color. That's my fault. Okay. And then that boozy time. <laughs> so you can see also there's a theme here. These are all definitely summertime, very refreshing. A um, little bit of fruit. And we're looking at, like, superfoods and herbs and everything's locale and fresh. And so that's what I love. You know, we got, you know, we got to do, Effie, is that then we need to come back around during the winter. We need to do a winter session with Cleo. Yes. If this is all summertime, we got to do this again with winter. Yeah. I have, we have all the boozy cocktails for wintertime. Perfect, awesome. perfect, perfect. Wow, <laughs> this is, I mean, I'm jealous that I don't have those drinks in front of me. <laughs> I, have the, I have the They're first pr- one, and it, it, was, it was amazing. Looks like there's a lot of questions in the chat. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we um, why don't we open up the session now to all of our guests and joining us from the get go, which we want to thank and uh, allow this opportunity to ask Effie and our co-host any questions in regards to Cleo's Effie Mastica recipes, anything that uh, that actually interests uh, our guests. While we while we let people give people a chance to uh, ask their questions, for did you or uh, any of our panel here? Do you guys have any questions to start off with? Um, I want to know if we had access to these recipes, and they're on your website. And the website is Effie. It's drinkcleos.com. Okay. Mm. And that's K-L-E-O-S. Yep, drink and then K-L-E-O-S. And we'll link it as well everywhere we post this webinar. Um, Foti and anybody from our panel, if you guys want to start, let, let me know, and I'll wait for any other questions. To start in the chat, Rose Vitali has a question. This is a woman from San Diego I just connected with on LinkedIn. Oh, cool. Rose, if you're out there, ask away. <laughs> can, we, can we unmute people or no? Um, we generally do the questions through uh, through the chat because having too many people unmuted gets a little uh, noisy, uh, Greek. crazy. It gets too Greek. Everyone <laughs> <I won't laughs> talks over each other. But uh, no, Ari's gonna, Ari will take the question, and Effie he'll he'll tell you who's asking the questions, and then Ari will relay it back. So Ari, do you have Rose's question? I think I did see. No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for her to come in. Okay, cool. Effie, um, while we're waiting, you said, did you get your start in Boston? Is that where you had one of your first jobs in the industry? Or where did you uh, grow up? Just curious. Um, Boston, born and raised. I grew up okay. in uh, Rosendale and West Roxbury. And I, me and Fluffy went, went to the same church growing up. Ah, okay. I actually know the church you're talking about. Same you showed me that before. <laughs> awesome. Church and school, right? We went to school together. So we come from the same mold. From the from the, from the streets. Don't 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 insult Effie in that way, please. <laughs> the only reason why Ari respects because he's a Somerville Greek, and as Greeks are very territorial, so being from Rosie, <laughs> he's being from Somerville, 
there's a little bit, little bit of rivalry, right? I'm not territorial at all. Um, what I wanted, I wanted to ask. Oh, we have one here. Let me. Uh, have you played with liquid smoke for a recipe? That might make an amazing cocktail. I personally have not, but um, other bartenders have. Uh, there's particularly one named Carlos Blenderini from San Francisco that this is kind of like one of his shticks. Um, he used to be the mixologist for Michael Mina, who is. Uh, Again, another award-winning chef who's got multiple restaurants, Vegas, San Francisco. Um, so no, but you're definitely right along those lines. I love Cleos with mezcal. I love Cleos with Japanese whiskey, um, with peaty whiskey. So it definitely tolerates um, really intense flavors. Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I have a personal question um, while we're waiting. Uh, we spoke about that whole uh, folklore about uh, mastica growing was there a scientific actual proven reason or is that still something that's kind so, of unknown so there's three uh reasons scientifically that they say mastica only grows in Chios. number one's going to be the terroir so the i mean a lot of islands in the aegean kind of sprouted a volcanic eruption so there's definitely you know mineral rich soil the islands themselves are positioned um, so that they're shielded by a mountain range. And so they're shielded from wind. It barely ever rains. Um, so terroir is going to be the number one reason. Um, number two is going to be eugenics. So eugenics is a Greek word. Um, EU at the beginning of a Greek word means good or well. And genics means genetics. So eugenics means good genetics. The ancient Heans were always picking the trees that gave them the most resin to repropagate. So they kind of created like a super species of the tree over time. Oh, and the way wow. you plant the mastica tree is actually by cutting off the branch. There are no seeds. So you just cut off a branch and then you stick that in the ground and that's how you plant a new tree. It takes about five years for a tree to mature enough that you can actually harvest it for resin. But at 20 years old is the kind of optimal age for a mastica tree. And they live over a hundred. Um, wow. Yeah. That's really and then cool. the, the, third reason, the third reason is also going to be the systematic cultivation of mastica over time by the ancient. So this is something that obviously um, takes a degree of know-how. You know, the first video that you saw when they're doing Barinyasma and they're kind of going really fast. Well, you can do that on the first um, Kendima, on the second Kendima, third Kendima in the same season you can't prick the tree where you've made the first incision. You are essentially wounding the tree. So you cannot scrape it again on the same spot because the tree is not going to give you its resin. The resin is the tree's healing mechanism. Uh -huh. And so there's definitely an art to the mastica cultivation. And this is something that's been passed down from generation to generation, family to family. It's only about 3,000 families that are part of the Heos Mastica Growers Association that actually own these trees that harvest them to cultivate uh, the sap. So those are the scientific reasons. That's they have just started for the first time because there's been fires on the island by arsonists a few times the past 10 years um, that wiped out a decent population of the trees. So the Growers Association, they have a research and development department that does all of the medical studies on Mastica. They've also just started growing some trees in a greenhouse, but they do not they, 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 they don't make a habit of it. They are growing trees in a greenhouse just to mature them to about five years old where they can give farmers back 
trees that they have lost. Otherwise, they do not change a thing about the cultivation. There's no fertilizer. It's all organic, fair trade, sustainable, etc. Very cool. Um, okay. So, Ari, we have we have oh, a, we a couple questions. Yeah, we have, we have a few. A special, we have a special guest that we want to acknowledge that's actually joining us. Our close friend Eric Anderson, who's the ambassador of Hendrix Gin, is with us this evening. Uh, he was actually with us last week in one of our webinars, and uh, he's here with us. And he also wants to ask Effie a question. Ari? Yeah, he said, Effie, this is so awesome and informative. If you would pick your top classic cocktails where you would sub gin for Mastika. So, um, to be honest, I, I wouldn't necessarily sub gin for Mastika because the two are a beautiful complement. Uh, gin is kind of the number one uh, spirit base that bartenders use to mix with Mastika. Like, I want to say a year ago, a food and wine writer hit me up to do a piece on Mastika and Mastika cocktails. And so she asked me, could I connect her with bartenders, this and that? And I was like, listen, I'll do it for you. I'll get a bunch of recipes from around the country. And so I was hitting up bartenders in LA and Texas and Miami and New York and Boston, Chicago. It was like, everybody gave me gin recipes. And I'm like, people... Somebody give me something else. Um, so Mastika is a great compliment to gin. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'd sub it out. Although many people, when they blind taste Cleo's, think it's like a sweeter gin. They think, many times they think it's gin. Um, so that, that drink with the cucumber is a riff on a classic, which is the South Side. Love that drink. A classic gin martini I actually sub mastica for the vermouth. So I go um, two ounces of gin, one ounce of Cleos, and then do a little bit of like a dropper of Greek olive oil. Ooh. Absolute mm-hmm. fire. What? Fire, fire, fire. Like, uh-huh. I would ask if you could at all use it like, like the vermouth in, say, a Manhattan. Have you tried it with bourbon? Uh, yes. So you can do any sort of old fashioned and Manhattan variations with Cleos. Pick your brown spirit and pick That's your wild Cleos. And then yeah, I'd like it. that. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, virtually so many of the recipes that I did on the site are derivative of classics. And that's how, how we all, um, how we all, you know, and, and Eric, uh, Eric replied to you with, uh, that's super cool, more like a split base idea then. Yes, yes. So I'm actually going to be doing a really funny spoof soon on 50-50s. So Cleos is kind of the ultimate for going 50-50s. You can go 50-50 with gin, with vodka, with tequila, with mezcal, with cachaça. You name it, Mastika goes with it. Um, and Hendrix is really good with Mastika. I actually just got a guy from Miami that messaged me on the Instagram and was like, Hendrix and Cleos and Tonic Game Changer it was literally <laughs> so Cleos has a lot of I'm cucumber doing that tomorrow. Cleos has a lot of cucumber notes, so it works really, really well with Hendrix. Right. Um, I see another question about the distilling process from start to yep. finish. How long is the distilling process from start to finish, and does it need to be aged, or is it better aged? So, okay, so the distilling process from start to finish. I'm going to say. I'm going to talk about the production process. So the production process from start to finish is about, it can go anywhere from six to eight weeks. So we start off with a maceration of mastica resin in a 90 ABV neutral grain spirit base. Then I take that base and that's about a week. 
Then we take that base and we run it through the still one time with the raw resin and cut it down. That's a nine hour process. Then we run it through the still a second time, another nine hours with the Mustika essential oil. Every time there is a resting period for that distillate in um, what they call inox tanks. Um, there's an additional kind of resting period where the whole liquid, you know, just marries. We blend it with water and sugar, filter it, call it a day. But the whole thing takes about six to eight weeks. I don't give up all the goods because no one makes money. <laughs> um, gotcha. right. Good point. Good point. Uh, so, and the question is, it does it need to be aged or is it better aged? So, you know, somebody approached me about like, oh, why don't you age Mastika? And I'm kind of like, mm. you know, aging white spirits, I mean, rum, okay, great. Brandy, okay, great. Like, I just find it to be gimmicky because the reality is, is Mastika is, is it's a vodka to start, okay? It's a vodka to start, and then I add Mastika to the still, right? It's a neutral grain spirit base. So there aren't a lot of, there are a lot of volatiles in mastica, but to me, aging it and putting it in like wood would just absolutely kill everything that's in the mastica. Yeah, I, 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 I I'm personally, again, this is a personal bias of mine. I prefer young spirits. Like Fresh. I like tasting the raw ingredient. So even with rum, I like tasting that molasses or that sugar cane. And I like the younger spirit more than the aged spirit because once you age a lot of times all you taste is the wood and that happens with a lot of wine you know california wine is like buttery and oaky all you taste is the wood you know so i honestly think it would be a disservice to the liquid and what we do to to age it but there is someone i don't know who someone just told me there is somebody in greece that's aging mastica and good luck to them they can The only thing that I would potentially do is bring out a dry mastica, which it tested really poorly in focus groups, which is why I did not start off with a dry mastica. I like bone dry mastica. A lot of cocktail nerdy bartenders like bone dry mastica. It's a lot more like gin, but consumers don't really warm up to it as much. Um, If I were to do a secondary SKU, it would probably be that. Cool. Wow. All right. If there's any other questions, we'll take them. If not, uh, we're... I guess coming to the end. Oh, awesome. oh look at that! I just, I, Perfect. We're not even. I, well, I want to make sure we include before we wrap up as well. Like for those of you that have been with us, we want to thank them as well for joining us with this special moment with Effie, and that uh, for those of you that are anticipating to try Cleos, we do have it on our platforms to order. Right, you can either order it from directly from Effie's website, which is drinkcleos.com, or. Um, you can also find it on our platforms, which is either greekwineclub.co or urbanwineclub.co. We do local deliveries in Massachusetts, but for those of you that live outside of the, of the state, we do shipping through FedEx. Uh, so please um, take the opportunity to order through us as well. I'm okay. sure there are plenty of retailers in different markets that have it on the shelf as well, right, Effie? So, um, well, Foti delivers to 12 states. Um, yes. Primary ones are going to be California. Uh, yeah. Where else are you delivering? Massachusetts, Massachusetts, DC, uh, Louisiana, New Hampshire, um, Oregon. Uh, there's a bunch of others as well, they're but all, um, they're, they're they're listed on the, on the site. They're all listed on the site in North Carolina. Now you can special order Cleos. You can special order Cleos in Pennsylvania through your state liquor store. 
Thanks, Frederick. Thanks for joining. We've got like a really amazing Boston bartender that's joined us tonight. He's going to be with us on September 3rd, I believe, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then I am distributed in New York, uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Canada should be coming on board very, very soon. Australia is coming on board very soon. And then officially we'll be selling in Greece again uh, very soon. And then looking to open awesome. up many new states in 2021, including Chicago, California, Florida. So, yeah. But Congrats. also available in the UK, in London. Oh, wow. Awesome. I just want to remind you, Effie, again, uh, three-comma deal. Do not forget us. <laughs> Well, I wanted to also, uh, Ari, thank our co-host. I want to thank Catherine. I want to thank Dr. Susanna for taking the time in her busy schedule to be with us. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you. Um, as always, we try to bring uh, as many interesting and fun guests to our platform to educate, inform, and sometimes entertain. Uh, hopefully, we've, uh, we, we've inspired you to uh, drink Mastija in this segment. And Effie, we want to commend you on your efforts and what you're doing. It's for me. It's inspiring to see someone like yourself really bring uh, some of Greece, Greece's finest uh, to the global platform. I think the whole the whole brand, the whole story, your personal story, everything about this is just. I, even though I know you, if I didn't know you, if I just hear the story, it's like amazing. I know it's going to go far. I know you're going to do really well. I mean, it's a given. It's a hundred percent. Appreciate that one one uh, group I want to acknowledge. Yes. You know, um, I have to say, you know, it's been really tough times with COVID, uh, not to, sh you know, sugarcoat anything. And um, really, the business has been sustained by Greek Americans. Um, I'm going to like get emotional <laughs> right now. Um, you know, my whole thing with Cleos was that I wanted to create a product that would transcend Greece and be bigger than that and really have the opportunity to be a general market product. And it's been really tough times. And my obviously my bar and restaurant sales have, you know, completely suffered. And I'm in all these cool, nerdy cocktail bars, like not in Greek places, you know, everyone yep. people, people like, oh, are you in like, you know, Taverna, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm not in there, but I'm in uh, the Dead Rabbit, which is, you know, was I'm number true. five on World's 50 Best Bar List, you know. <laughs> so I have to say, though, that the liquor store sales have gone up. Like, Fauti is my number one account now in Massachusetts. <laughs> um, we did Don't so forget many, me. We did so many cases last <laughs> month because people are ordering from all over the country. And, and, and Effie, it's not. It's also a lot of repeat customers. It's so many Greek Americans, but um, there's a group that just kind of got started in Boston called Okiklos, which is um, a group of just kind of young female uh, entrepreneurs in, in Boston, uh, Greek women. And um, we've done a couple of Zooms lately, and everyone is so motivating and inspirational. There's some serious dynamos in the group, like Christina Tipuras Miller, who started Moroccan Magic, that's in like Walmart and Target. And a couple of the girls are on the call tonight. Ismini Sotiropoulos, I think, Evie. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to butcher everybody's names. Um, but they rallied and brought a lot of women uh, to the call tonight and have been all super supportive in um, kind of spreading the love for Cleos. So, you know, don't ever discount the kind of organic word of mouth. Like it definitely can create the next brand. And that's something that's really saved um, 
save the company during this really difficult period. So I'm so appreciative of the Greek community. I really am. That's awesome. As much as I make fun of the Greek community a lot (laughs) myself. Um, well, we make fun of each other every day, so it's all good. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Effie. We appreciate Very you. We appreciate everybody who's on the call. We appreciate everybody watching, listening. Um, stay tuned for our next webinar. This webinar will also be on YouTube. It'll be on our app. We're going to convert it into a podcast. We're going to have links to Effie's uh, products. Uh, all information will be everywhere, so just stay tuned. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. Thanks again, Effie, and more power to you. We know you're going to do great things. Thank, right. you, Thank you, Effie. Good night, everybody. Cheers. Kalinikta. Kalinikta. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.